If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we are in part 5 this week. Um, uh, but I want to remember last week we had, or we'd caught up last week, I think, and went back to Ephesians 2, 1 through 6 because I had skipped that part. Can you believe I skipped seated in heavenly places with Christ? That's like a crime. Anyway, so we fixed that. And now we're going to start in verse 11 tonight. Um, if you want to, <clears throat> if you haven't been part of the series, uh, I want to encourage you to download our podcast. It's free. And we have uh, just a few days after, usually in the span of two or three days after we do, uh, we have a sermon here. It's on our website, One Cause Church, and you can hit the Dot com and hit the podcast button and uh, listen to these messages. And um, I, I, some of you have to- told me that you do listen to these. You download our podcasts. And I know Rod and Barbara, that's how they stay connected to us a lot. They download that. And, they're, uh, and I, I just love being able to have that, um, that way to get the gospel out in such a simple way. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are really touching all over the world. From, from right here, just the message that we bring. Thank God for the internet that we're able to have that kind of access and that avenue to get the gospel out without even actually physically being there. Now, I do think it's important that you physically go. But, but if you can't physically go, then get, your, get the gospel there, however it takes. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, I was talking to a young man who just recently became a part of our church. He's also a graduate of CFNI. His name is Ryan. And he's going to be going uh, to Brazil long term. I mean, uh, but he's going to take a few months he graduated Christ for the Nations about a year and a half ago, he was telling me. And um, he said, Pastor Eric, I've been listening to your podcast for, for a few years now. And he said, I, I feel so connected to this church, and I'm, I'm going to be in the States for about six more months while I'm getting all my paperwork done. He said, I'm asking you, I'm just telling you, I want to be here for the last six months to do whatever I can to help this ministry and so that I can go out of here having served this ministry because it served me so well. So, I mean, I mean and, he, and he told me, he said, I even, I even preached some of your sermons when I was in Brazil at a crusade there. And uh, so I'm just saying that we're going all over the place. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? And so uh, what, a, what a great avenue for us. And so I, want, I wanted to just incur, uh, to encourage you that the influence of this church is so much bigger than we even see. And, um, I mean, we have somewhere, I think last month it was around 1,800 plus uh, downloads of our sermons. I don't know where these people are. I wish they were here, but, you know, but they're, they're, we're, we're touching people. Amen. So it's a blessing. Amen. All right. Where are we? Ephesians chapter 2. Let's, go to, let's look at verse 11. Now, we have gone 11 through 13, but I want to back up just a moment and camp here for just a second before we, before we move on. And it says, therefore, verse 11, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That is bad, 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 bad news. And just the term uncircumcision compared to circumcision was a huge thing to the Jews. To call you uncircumcision means that you, well, I think that they, they, some of the Jews said that Gentiles were created as fuel for hell. And they even referred to us as dogs. Even Jesus did it. 
you, you know the story. Call the, the little Gentile lady a dog. We were on the outside. I mean, we weren't even in the ministry, the blessing, the power of God at all. And there were a few that, that found it by an act of faith. But that was a very, very, very few people. All of us were on the outside, the uncircumcised. Now, I had a guy ask me today, I was mentoring a young man, and he asked me, I said, it's interesting you're asking me this question today because we're going to be talking about this tonight. And um, he said, why? Why did God only pick one nation? Why didn't he, why didn't he include everybody? That's a great question. Why didn't he, why, why were all these people on the outside? Why would he just pick one people? And I said, well, don't forget, everything that God does is about his son. Everything is about Christ. His whole plan, everything that he does, everything that he says, it all revolves around Jesus Christ. Right. All right? And so it all started with him having to make a way for Jesus to get here. That's what, that all that's what, that's what circumcision is all about. That God found a man first that would believe him. He found a man that would believe him, and by him believing him, then God accounted that belief as righteousness. So then God could have a relationship with this man by faith because God could not have a relationship with men because of sin. But faith makes a man clean. Hallelujah. Faith equaled righteousness, and then God told him as a seal of that righteousness, I want you to be circumcised. And the reason for that is, is because... There is, there, he needed that covenant scar, that circular covenant scar, so when the seed passed through that covenant scar, then that seed was right, then that seed was pure, then that seed could ensure that Messiah could come, hallelujah. That's what made a way for Jesus, that's what, that's how this all started. That's how the whole Jewish nation, that's what separated them from everybody else was that seal of circumcision. And that whole thing was about that Messiah coming. They were making a way generation after generation after generation, keeping the bloodline pure until Jesus Christ came. It's awesome. And so anybody outside of that had no business in the business of God because he was all about his son and those that were in the lineage of his son. Are you hearing me? Yeah. And outside of that bloodline, nobody else at that time mattered. But what was so great about the way God did it is that he made sure that the Messiah came to redeem Israel. But in so doing, this man who lived a sinless life, a, the perfect Lamb of God, had all the power in him to not only take away the sins of Israel, but the sins of the world. So then all men, all men could come into a relationship with Almighty God. Oh, that's so powerful. Now, here this says that we were on the outside. So remember, don't, don't forget, remember when David came onto the battlefield and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? See, he knew who he, who he was, and he knew who that guy was. He knew the uncircumcised had no assistance and no help from God Almighty. We were the, the circumcised, the only ones that had God on their side at the time. The only ones. And he knew if God's on our side, this guy doesn't stand a chance. Israel, you've forgotten who you are. Well, 
We were on the outside. We were, even, even when they built the tabernacle, that there was the outer court where the, or the Gentile court, but that's as far as they could go. It's as far as they could go. They could not go further in because they were not a holy people. Even though they wanted to worship like the Jews, they wanted to worship the one true God, but they could only do it to a certain level. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Now, everybody say alienation. <laughs> not alienation. Alienation. One word. You know, I can remember when I was at Christ for the Nations, and I think it was my, I got to think of the year. I think it was either 89 or 90. I want to say it was the next year. You, you, you'll probably know this when I say it. When the, we got news that the Berlin Wall had come down. And I'll never forget Mom Lindsay. Was that 89 or 90? It was 89. Okay. So I had just been in school just, just a, a couple of weeks or so. And, and I remember Mom Lindsay stood up there and she told all the students by the Berlin Wall came down. I can, I can remember how shocked I was at that. Because that's something we never, ever thought would happen. We never saw that come. Never saw that big monstrous concrete wall with the wire and the armed men around it. We never saw that impenetrable wall come down. But it did. When our great President Reagan stood up there and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But that wall separated a city. And on one side there was peace and prosperity. On the other side it was a dark gray cloud of oppression. And it just seemed hopeless. And do you know how long that wall was up? 40 years. And think about how it just gripped the world, this division of 40 years. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not even close to the type of division that was between Jew and Gentile. We're talking thousands of years of of division between God's people and the rest of the world. That's why it was, it was crazy talk to Peter. Remember when Jesus told them before he ascended, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? He, he talked to them about making disciples, but what he said, go into all the world, in their minds, it was all of the Jewish world. They could not see past their own nation because at that time it had not been revealed to them. That's all they knew, that only the Jews are the people of God. And only until Acts chapter 10 do we get the hint, do we get the the full understanding of what God's full plan and purpose was when he had with Peter sitting on Simon the Tanner's roof there by the seashore. He's sitting on the roof. I guess there must have been a, a scorned wife in the house. Remember Proverbs, better to dwell on the roof. No, they were making lunch, and he was up there, and, and the Bible says he fell into a trance in Acts chapter 10, and he saw this sheet come down, and all, all four-footed beasts of every kind, every creeping thing, and the Lord said, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's looking at things that Jews don't eat, creatures that Jews don't eat, and he said, Not so, Lord. Right? He's so steeped in the tradition of, of, of his fathers for generations, gener- even what Jesus had even said before, I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He, he heard Jesus' own words. His own mission was about, the, about Israel, about Jerusalem, right? About getting to that cross, about being the redeemer of Israel. And now, all of a sudden, the Lord's saying, 
Arise, Peter, kill and eat. That had to mess him up big time. It did, so much so the Lord had to tell him three different times. Had to take him through the vision three times before he finally, and then finally the Holy Spirit said, there are three men waiting outside, go with them, doubting nothing. Just go, obey. So he went strictly on pure obedience here. Not because he wanted to, not because he understood the plan, he just went because God told him to go, right? And so he showed up there, and when he stands there in Cornelius' house, oh, all of a sudden, Peter gets a revelation. Acts 10, 34, he says, of a truth I perceive, God is no respecter of persons. For the first time, I understand God's plan is all man. That he doesn't see any difference between you and me. And he preached the gospel there, and Cornelius and all of his household were, were saved, and then the gospel began to spread all over the place through Paul the Apostle. So there's great division. We were on the outside. We were strangers from this, alienated from the covenants and from the covenants of promise and, and, and aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, having no hope and without God in the world. Colossians 1.21, we talked about this a little bit. It says, In you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. In our minds we were this way. Alienated in our minds. Enemies of God. No hope. There was a... Um, you can read about this man, a social Darwinist by the name of Herbert Spencer, who actually coined the, the term survival of the fittest. And he wrote, My own feeling respecting the ultimate mystery is such that I cannot even try to think of it without some feeling of terror so that I habitually shun the thought. He's talking about death, talking about the afterlife. Talking about the unknown, about God, and he says, I just shun the thought of habitually because it terrifies me to think about it. Ah, I appreciate his honesty at least, huh? But this is the mind of the Gentile. This is the mind of us who are on the outside for generations and generations and generations, enemies of God. Would God want anything to do with us? So just live on as you're living, right? Eat, drink, and be merry. And so... Uh, John chapter 4, now listen to this, verse 22, you worship, he's talking to Jesus, talking to the woman at the well, and he says, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Wow, that's all they knew at that time. Yeah. Salvation is of the Jews. But then, Romans chapter 1, 16 happened. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also for the Greek. Hallelujah. Amen? Aren't you happy about that? For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now let's look at verse 13 of Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. That was only one, one way for us to get there, and that was through that shed blood of Jesus Christ. But that blood brought us 
all the way right to God. Hallelujah. It gave us full, bold access to our Heavenly Father today. Hallelujah. The blood wiped away all of our sins. The blood deemed us holy and blameless and above reproach. Totally justified. Totally right with God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. One, uh, everybody say salvation. salvation. Right? That's what we needed. We were alienated, but now, hallelujah, he brought salvation not only to the Jew, but also to us as well. Hallelujah. Now, um, one year at the, this um, convention, there was a speaker by the name of George Silwood. This man uh, was, a, was an interesting man. And after uh, this, this meeting, uh, a man came up to him and said, you know, it's really wonderful to be safe in the arms of Jesus. And uh, he said, isn't it wonderful, Mr. Silwood? He said, yeah. But... Uh, Son, I have something better than that. He said, how can you have something better than being safe in the arms of Jesus? Mr. Silwood said, I am as safe as an arm of Jesus. Matter of fact, he said, I'm safe as an arm because I am now part of the body of Christ. I'm not in his arms I am his arm. I am his arm. Woo! Yeah. I am a member of that body now. It's more secure than just being held in those arms. It's being part of those arms. Hallelujah. It's being part of that body. Individual members of the body of Christ. Aren't you grateful for that tonight? That you are, and, and, and you know what? In Christ, in Christ, there is no decapitation. In Christ, there is no amputation. We are the body of Christ, and we will always be the body of Christ. I need a better amen than that tonight. Amen. amen. This is the salvation that you have received. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about your salvation. It's important that we continue to do this, though. That is a thorough work, spirit, soul, and body. Right? You were saved. You are being saved. And you will be saved. Right? Right now we are being saved. Right now we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. That does not mean that we're working for our salvation. That means we're working that salvation that has already taken place in our spirit into our minds. Hallelujah. And that's why you're writing that book. Right? So that we can wrap our minds around this salvation experience. So that we can really live what, this, what has happened on the inside of us. We can live a new creation kind of lifestyle. That by continually being renewed by being transformed. Amen. Being transformed by being renewed, I should say. And not conform to this world, right? Now, so you're getting pressure either way. The world's going to press you with their ideals. They're, the world's going to press you with their philosophy. And the devil's going to do everything he can to lie through his teeth at you. He's going to accuse you. He's going to try to abuse you. He's going to say whatever it takes to keep you from being renewed in your mind. Keep you being convinced of who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep you from being convinced of that new creation power that resides on the inside of you. Amen. He's going to do whatever he can. Make it think at all. It's all about you, about what you do, what you don't do, what you say, what you don't say. Rather than that he made you alive, he seated you, he created you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, verse 14, for he himself is our peace. He Himself is our peace now. And 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that he 
has become wisdom unto us. See, everything is in that man, Jesus Christ. Everything that we need is in him. That's why the Bible says in uh, Psalm 16:11, you will show me the path of life, for in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Woo. Everything pleasurable is found at the right hand of God in the Son of God. He's everything that you're looking for. He's everything that you've ever dreamed of. He's the pinnacle of every desire of your heart. Hallelujah. He's what you've always wanted. He is our peace. Men have tried to make peace for centuries. It's estimated that in all history of humanity, less than 8% of recorded history can be described as times of peace. In the last 32 centuries, there have been fewer than 300 years of peace. Historians tell us that within the last 300 years, there have been 286 wars in Europe alone. And that from 1500 B.C. to A.D. 1860, more than 8,000 treaties of peace were signed. And this means that, uh, and they were meant to, to remain in force forever. But the average time they actually remained in force was only two years. There is no peace without Jesus. And we prove that over and over and over again. Verse 14, he himself is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation? Both one being the Jews and the Gentiles. He made both of us one. Hallelujah. We are all one in Christ. All races and all nationality, all these, we're all now the race of the redeemed. Verse 15, having abolished, everybody say having abolished. It's done. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So as to create in himself one new man from the two. Hallelujah. Thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God. Both to one another and then both to God. You see that what Jesus did? He made peace between the Jew and the Gentile by making us all one, and then he made us all peace with God. Hallelujah. By making us one with him. Yep. It's all, the, all of the connection, all of the unity is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as to create in himself one new man from the, from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Everybody say reconciliation. Romans chapter 2 and verse 28, it says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. See, do you remember that the problem with the, the Jews were having with the Gentiles all getting saved was that, that they were not a Jew outwardly. It, the whole, their whole, they were twisted off all about that circumcision thing. But here it says, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. And this is why Paul got beat for saying statements like this. This is why they were out to kill him. For saying things like this right here. Nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. This is a circumcision that is done by God, not by man. Hallelujah. And it can only be done in the heart. So I'm looking at today, if you are a child of the living God, that I am looking at Jews today. Wow, you're a Jew. 
a child of Abraham, which means that you're a child of promise. And if you're a child of Abraham, then you get what Abraham got, the blessing that was pronounced over Abraham that would go from him to generation to generation to generation. That's why Christ became a curse, so that the blessing of God, a blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith in Christ. Amen. 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 And he, verse 17, came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. You who are far off, Gentiles, and to those who are near, Jews. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. Don't, don't ever mistake the fact that we all get to the Father through Jesus, both Jew and Gentile. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Aren't you grateful for that news? But fellow citizens with the saints... And members of the household of God. That's why I've talked to you about it's not good to call yourself a sinner saved by grace. You're a fellow citizen with saints. Hallelujah. Which means that you are a saint. And members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I think it's wonderful that it didn't say that Jesus Christ is the foundation. It says that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And the cornerstone is what connects what does the cornerstone do? Come up here for a second. You'll, let's have this builder tell us what the importance of the cornerstone. The cornerstone sets up the points where the other points are going to be set up. It, it, everything is measured off the cornerstone in a right angle directly to it. So if you set a cornerstone up here, your other stones that set up the other side of the foundation are directly off that edge. Nothing goes off, 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 nothing goes off but off that angle. That's basically the chief cornerstone that sets up the angles. Everything is built around. Everything is built around that particular that piece, and all, everything else lines up with that. Ooh. It's the piece that joins it all together, isn't it? It's what sets it straight. And the apostles and the prophets are the foundation. The foundation. See, a true leader is not one who hovers and covers. A true leader is one who pushes. I learned that from the great Dr. Holler himself. He said, so many leaders are trying, who's your covering? Who's your covering? Who's your covering? No, who's my floor? Because this guy's supposed to be pushing me up, not, not, not keeping me down. He's not supposed to be my lid. He's the next brick under me. Hallelujah. He's pushing me up. That's what the real leaders do. That's what the leaders in the house of God do is we push up. I'm standing on the shoulders of this man. He's standing on the shoulders of, of Pastor Jim Hester and of, of Reverend H.D. Morton, and they're standing on the shoulders of other men, and it's, that's how we're being built up. Isn't that wonderful? Hmm. Cornerstone. And we are all being built together. Now, I think it's interesting. Let, let me just, I'm almost done. Can you handle it a little bit more? Now, it says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built, how? Together, for a dwelling place 
of God and the Spirit. Do you see, understand right now, you ought to be so glad you came to church tonight. Because you are being built, your life is built together. Your life is being built right now because you are together in the house of God. Now, it says that you are the, now we all know that we individually are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our body, right, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we also are the temple together. We are all the house of God together. That's why we come together like this, so that we, our lives can continually be built. Because outside of this, we really don't have much chance. Outside of the church. This is how God is building people's lives. This is, this is the opportunity that we continue to find is in the house of God where the people of God are gathered together. It's, 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 it's an incredible plan. It's an incredible thing that God made when he made the church. And if we'll let the church, if we'll allow ourselves to be who we are, then, then the world will see what the church really was meant to be. If we'll just be who we are and do what we do, I think it's that simple. If we'll just be who we are and do what we do, then we will be that city that is set on the hill. We will be that light that is never hidden. Hallelujah. We will be that place where people uh, see continually a beacon and they, and they hear a beckoning. Hallelujah. To come and find living waters. Come and drink from the fountain of everlasting life. Come and be restored. Come to this place and be healed. Come here and find a new start for your life. Come here and find a new life. Come to the house of God with, with, with a gift to bring to our King. Come to the house of God with your lifting your holy hands in worship and clapping your hands and shouting to God and singing praises and dancing before God. And come to the house of God where we build one another up. Don't forget, Ephesians 4.16 talks about that we are all, every joint supplies, that we receive from one another, but we have a gift for one another as well. We have to have one another. Your body has to have all of its parts working. It's receiving and it's giving all the time. Amen. That's why it's not good for you to just be a receiver, and it's not good that you just be a giver. Now, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. He did not say it's not blessed to receive. He said it's just more blessed to give. Our whole life starts with receiving. Our whole life in Christ starts with receiving his gift. Amen? Did you get blessed when you received that gift? I'm pretty sure you did. Amen. So, we see through, through this scripture that, praise God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, he brought complete, he, 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 he brought this whole plan to fruition, to completion, when, when we saw that it was for all of us and that God elevated all men at the same level in Christ. Amen. Amen. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time in your word. Lord, thank you for, for your, the revelation knowledge. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you, God, for, for the power of your spirit here in this place that, that breathes on the word, that comes alive in us, God. I thank you, God, for a people who are dedicated to the house of God, a people who are dedicated to the word of God and to digging in, God, to know you more. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for blessing your people tonight. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Just, just where you are, I want, I want everybody just lift their hands where they're sitting right now. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.